Welcome to the Dream Achievers Podcast, hosted by Andy Young. Join us each week as we feature local business owners, nonprofit leaders, and community members that are making a difference in Central and Southwestern Virginia. We love our community and want to feature people that share that same passion. Welcome to the show. Uh, I want to welcome both of you guys to the show. Thank you. Uh, you know, I, got, I got Ken and Jessica of County, County Smoke. Mm-hmm. Everybody, every, how many people trip up and say country smoke? Oh, so many. All the time. I, love I had to are, argue with people over it being county smoke. The best is when people are soliciting donations, and they're like, we'd love to get something from country smoke. It's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's how I knew growing up. If someone called my house and they asked for Horace, I knew that they had no idea who my father was. It was Ed. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Makes sense. So yeah. it, was, it was like, that's the best caller ID possible, you know, in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Just listen to see what somebody was saying with that. With that. Yeah. So you guys have been open now here since when? May 12th. May 12th, 2020. So we had a little bit of stuff going on at that time. Yep. Still do. <laughs> Still a little bit different here as we're talking today. Yep. Uh, you know, tell me about some of those challenges of first getting open. You know, May of this year, as you guys were plugging in here in the community. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, we're kind of like a lot of people where uh, we had this plan. We were gonna. Um, we've been looking for spaces for like a year and a half, a year maybe. Year and a half, two years. Um, and um, some things professionally had happened for Ken. <laughs> I've gotten fired twice from the same place. So within the course of a year. Yeah. So. Um and so that was back in I guess last October. And so um gosh, it's a year ago like this week. Yeah. Huh. And so he had gone up to the homestead to do some contract work up there um for a while and as he was doing that we we're like, Okay, well what are the next steps? How are we gonna move forward? Because obviously um, working for someone else in Lynchburg is not is not <laughs> working out for yeah. us. So, uh, how do we get the ball rolling with County Smoke? Because we've been doing pop ups last year um, and some uh, fundraisers and stuff like that. And our, uh, I think I, I, like I said before, we had we had looked at the garage building over there over a year ago, and um, had said it would be great if if the Uncle Joe's Donuts building had been available because it's, you know, right on Timberlake and it's small and manageable or whatever, but, you know, they had just uh, had an ownership change, and um, so that wasn't an option, but then in November we were driving by and it was available, Yeah. and so um, our realtor got in touch with their realtor, and we came in, and our, our realtor was just, like, ready to walk right back out because it was such a train wreck inside. Yeah, D was like, I don't know about yeah, this I don't think it's going to work, guys. It's not going to work for you. And uh, we're like, no, 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 like, rent's inexpensive, we can put money into the building, we'll make it work, this and that. And this is while Ken was still doing uh, contract work at the homestead, and so we signed our lease in February thinking that we were going to have income, you know, coming through until we were able to get the build-out done and everything else. And uh, February rolled around, and I said to Ken, I had said to Ken, you need to find out what what's going on up there and what the situation is. And they told him, oh, no, no, we're going to, you know, we're going to hold on to you at least through the summer. And, like, two weeks later, not even. Well, it was 
Yeah, in February we had that conversation, but then stuff started escalating with the COVID stuff, and she's like, you're going to get terminated. She's like, there's no way. And then I was like, all right, well, they said, you know, through the summer, and then it's like my birthday week, March 11th, I came home for my birthday, and then got up there the 13th, they were like, okay, so they went from 900 employees to 25 in wow. a week and a half. Yeah. So it was just like everything ended, just like everyone in the hospitality industry's life did, you know? So yeah. it was the middle of March, and we're like, okay, so now there's no income, and we've got this lease, and uh, so we have to make this work, and we didn't know how quickly things were going to shut down. You know, it started to get to where it, it seemed like, you know, state borders were going to close, and you weren't going to be able to, to cross boundaries and stuff, and the black trailer was in St. Louis, and so we're like, we need to go get it because we don't have a way to even open without getting that trailer like we don't have the building done but if we go and get the trailer we could at least operate like a food truck and so we loaded the kids up and did like a 48 hour round trip to st louis to yeah. pick up uh the trailer and brought it back and then it was still because of all the shutdowns like with the government offices and this and that it wasn't until april right that we could even get kyle out here to do the first inspection yeah it was like the mid mid to end of april and then he was like i'll update you guys every week with what the governor says what i'm allowed to do like he wasn't even supposed to even be allowed to come do inspections or any of that but he's like i'll come out and like as long as we're in mask and everything i'll look over your plan with you and see what you guys have and and so he did and then he's like okay may 8th he's like that's the first day that they're allowed inspections i'll do one that morning for you and we're like okay great his day off yeah it was his day off but he uh, said that and you know three days before he was come the compressor in the uh trailer went out on the refrigerator in there the water heater had gone out <laughs> since we'd gotten it from st louis because we were, we were like all right well let's start testing out how hot the water is for the board of health uh, you know inspection and let's get everything make sure it's all right you know we put the fridge in and we hadn't we hadn't been hardwired in yet so with the with the um all that stuff it just hadn't happened yet so and even before that i mean we when we got the trailer because it has a three compartment sink and the hand sink and the refrigeration and everything else we figured we'd be able to just operate out of the trailer no problem and then when kyle came out he was like you need a commissary kitchen we're like what yeah. and we knew it was going to take us 15 grand to get this kitchen built out so we're like so we um uh, we're like oh sh-. you know we're gonna need to figure that out and so uh, <laughs> we're uh we're scrambling trying to reach out to people you know in the area but everybody was closed you know like all the restaurants had shut down so it's like who are you gonna use for a commissary and then there's a caterer in winhurst and she was open doing box lunches and stuff like that and she was in a space where we had known the guy that was in the space before that and so I reached out to her and she was like, okay, you can use my kitchen as a commissary. And so we ran like that for about three months yeah. until we got this one done. And it was just, you know, we couldn't finish it until we had money coming in. I mean, we tell everybody, like when we opened the doors, there was $3,000 left and that was it. So it was like literally. In all know, accounts. Like all accounts. So either you get open and you make money or. Yeah. And you're not going to pay mortgage or do anything else for yeah. favor. It's, it's amazing, you know, when I've had these conversations with other people, it's a lot of times it's that all the ships are burnt in the harbor moment. The, there's no turning back. Yep. The money's gone. Sink or swim. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then that's when everything works um, because there is no other there's option. There's no option. Yeah. It's, it's not an option. It's, it's, 
you know, hey, it's here. We got what we got. We're going to sell what we can, yep. and we're going to put it right back in to take a dollar bill and turn it into two, and mm-hmm. then take those two and turn it into four, and then just keep going. So you guys have been doing tremendously well as far as I can see from the outside looking in Yeah. with multiple times being sold out with that. But I got to look back to the beginning. What guys? What got you guys in barbecue? Um, it, I went to Oklahoma. I was. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, but I went to Oklahoma State, and that's where I started eating barbecue. And then when I moved to culinary school up at, in Hyde Park, New York, there wasn't really any barbecue up there. And then when I moved to West Virginia to do my internship, I was like, oh, surely there'll be a barbecue spot around, and there wasn't any. So I bought at the time expensive to me but now i know it's cheaply made an old offset brinkman uh-huh. smoker from walmart and just started trying tinkering and i would bring it to this guy ethan heilman who was a ended up being my mentor and on my days off he would tell me what i did wrong and what wasn't good about my barbecue and i'd constantly improve and then they had classes uh that stephen reichland taught up at the greenbrier and i'd go and cook and help clean and do all that and listen to the thing and then go to work later that day so I wouldn't be scheduled to be up there but you could go up there and help if you were an apprentice so I did that and then when Ethan I started doing barbecue competitions and then I had people start they a lot of the waiters and servers of the Greenbrier had farms and it's like they did the Greenbrier work to get their health insurance and some money but they had pigs and cows and everything else and they, they asked if I could you know could you barbecue this for me or my family so then i had someone build me a smoker out of a dairy tank and just kept going started doing competitions my first competition was actually here in lynchburg in i think 2002 2003 so it was down on the river it was before any of that was redone (laughs) so it was just there i mean and so it's funny that we ended up back in lynchburg like you know almost 20 years later and just a little crazy but Got into barbecue, started doing it full-time at the Greenbrier when Ethan moved up to management, and then I met Chris Lilly, and uh, he hired me down to Big Bob Gibson's in Decatur, Alabama, and was there for seven years, and she was living in Kansas City, and we met through mutual friends of the Greenbrier and didn't like each other, and then... Uh, so He's growing on me slowly. Learn to tolerate one another. Slowly I'm growing on her, so there you <laughs> go. We started dating, like, what, March of 11? Yeah. March of 11, so... There you go. Wow. Quick quick version. Hey, sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to remind you, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Each week, we share another guest with you from our local communities. Enjoy on your favorite podcast platform or YouTube and get tips so you too can potentially one day achieve your dreams. Back to Lynchburg 20 years later from a barbecue competition to being the leading barbecue authority in Lynchburg. I don't know that I'm the leading barbecue <laughs> authority. I'm sure my wife is. <laughs> so there you go. I am not. <laughs> so you, you guys have, have grown quite a bit even just since May. What, what are you looking at as far as opportunities you guys see in the community to expand? I mean, I'm not saying to give away all your secrets, but I'm saying... You know, what do you see as opportunities here in the community to be able to, to grow? Uh, I think, you know, getting a bigger restaurant is clearly uh, is phase three for us is figuring out, you know, if it's buying the property we're sitting on now or finding a restaurant that's already built out. I mean, with all the stuff that's going on right now, it's we just have to be ready for whatever we can do. But 
you know, certain things like the walk-in that's over there was never in the first plan. So we thought we could do it with reaching refrigerators and then quickly knew that, like, we're going through a ton of meat and we're just going through so much volume that, I mean, our ice bill to keep everything iced in coolers was almost 700 a month. Wow. And so now it's like, okay, well, in the middle of COVID, you know, we had the cash on hand, but it was like, let's see if we can get this financed, or, you know, just so that, you know, but we didn't know that anybody would even finance to a brand new business, let alone a restaurant in the middle of COVID. And we were able to do it and knock the ice bill down like completely by almost like $600 and everything else. So yeah. it's like, it was one of those things where we've slowly just, when we started three picnic tables we started with we have nine we have one behind the trailers in case somebody really doesn't want to sit near anybody else so we had, i mean all we had was the chef's table yeah, chef's, yeah. <laughs> we only had uh we had one refrigerator inside right we had the one yeah. that we'd already had in our in our garage that we brought over so we had one one commercial refrigerator or initially and, and then one cool. in the trailer and the one in the trailer yeah and we yeah. had to buy every piece of equipment and Every sink and fixture and everything. Every inside. contractor's bill. Every. Yeah. I mean, every time we ripped up something new on the floor, poor Buck at the floor show at Carpet One up on Timberlake, he was like, "Oh, he's like, I got bad news, boss." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> every, every time he told us to bull- bulldoze the building. He goes, yeah. Here's my here's my recommendation. <laughs> Let's get a bulldozer. He said, "You guys are already doing more business than you need, so the." you're already outgrowing the building let's just knock the whole thing over it's just it's garbage and it's like okay buck but that's not in the financial plan right now yeah so eventually we may bulldoze it over buck but can we get a couple secure band-aids on this so we can get a floor in here but it was just like every time we ripped something up it was you know that money pit type hidden surprise underneath yeah so you guys plug back into the community with opening up what have been some of the relationships that have been most important to you guys with getting up and running as quickly as you have? Um, well, our neighbors, Tim and Becky, have been awesome. They, they live right there. So to have, like, great neighbors that don't mind the smoke smell, don't, you know, constantly, you know, we're up at 6 o'clock in the morning banging around out here. So, I mean, they're wonderful. So that's a great relationship that we, you know, we'd never known them beforehand. But they've really, uh, they're both, Becky's in charge of the choir. Thomas Road Baptist or helps with the choir. So there's been like a lot of people coming like, oh, Tim and Becky sent us. And yeah. so that's been great. Um, Tim's over at Liberty and yeah. Residential Life. So like those are, I, we always talk about like how it's funny. We traveled in so many different circles since we got here in 2016 because I worked at three different schools and our kids have attended two different schools. And Ken worked for a restaurant group that had so many different units and he was going from restaurant to restaurant, working with lots of different chefs and meeting all the different purveyors. Server, servers and bartenders. I mean, yeah. you get to know everyone in town. And I mean, much. Lynchburg is like a small town anyway, even though it's got a fair amount of people. Everybody knows everybody. So we were just able to sort of, you know just travel in so many different circles that once we finally opened there was already a core group of people that had been following us just down at the stadium inn so i guess daryl burgess is another Um, he owns stadium inn and all these cookie marts and he let us set up um outside of the stadium inn on mondays right we did mondays yeah we would do one monday a month and the first time he was like i don't know you know we'll see how it goes and by the halfway through the first of it they had had one of the best Mondays they had ever had, and it was only like two or three o'clock. Mondays. Whenever you want to set up again, guys, go ahead. And you know, on his relationship, he didn't he didn't charge us to set up, and he said you can't sell drinks, you can't sell wings, because that, I serve those inside. And at the time, we couldn't sell pork because 
they had pork sand, pulled barbecue sandwiches inside. So we said, sure, no problem. So like by the third or fourth pop-up, we'd started to say, nobody even knows it's for our pork and it's one of the stronger things we do. But it was like one of those weird ones where we, because of our deal with Daryl, we never served it. And then he came up at one point, he's like, you know what, people are asking for wings and they want pork. He said, just go ahead. Whatever you guys are doing, just don't sell any drinks, please. And But they people would go in and order fries from them and wings. So it was just, and it's kind of how our community, with how we've done with our with the mass ladies, our friends who have a craft business, uh, the cookie lady, he never charged us. And it was like, you know what, if you guys can make yourself a little something extra here, I won't charge you. And so, like, that's how our kind of our little market out here started. Waffle Mania until they tied in up the road. So it was like, like, what do you want us to pay you? I was like, you know what? We both agreed. Daryl gave us a shot. So that's kind of how we do it. We've had a lady set up to sell her nail stuff here. And it's really been one of those things where it's like, you know what? Somebody gave us that shot. So why not help somebody else or, or another food truck just come set up? You know, and it just, it's built a better community amongst, I think, the food and the food truck business people. But also, like, things like it's led to, like, outside the cone. We, we smoked some pecans for a smoked pecan rocky road. And, you know, Jess, when she grew up in Kansas City, or not grew up, but lived in Kansas City, a lot of people collaborated on stuff. Like, people would use this brewery's beer to make this and, and use this in their sweets. And it was, like, one of those things where we reached out and, like, hey, man, you want us to smoke something for you? And he, he was, and Tyler and Kim were like, oh, what do you want us, what do you want to charge us to smoke the pecan? I'm like, nothing. To spell my name right on the <laughs> on smoke. spell smoke right uh, the way we want it to, and we don't care, you know. It's like, but he brought the pecans to us. I'm like, it's your pecans. I'm just putting some smoke to them yeah. when we're done cooking for the end of the day. It's not going to affect us. It's like, I just want you to do well. I want our customers to go to you and yours to come to us. And that's, I mean, it's what Jess has always believed since she lived in Kansas City, like collaborating, working with everybody, and that's where we kind of felt like we needed to go with just the restaurant community i guess yeah and i mean and, and michelle from purple door was huge in in helping us to get open by allowing us the commissary space and so she's another one where you know she's like i don't i don't need to sell my pulled pork that i'm making out of the oven or my brisket or whatever or like the other day she had a um she had a bride that didn't tell her that she was gluten-free and so she had done all this all this brisket for a, a wedding and then turned out that she needed gluten-free brisket and her rub had gluten in it or her sauce had gluten in it and ours doesn't. So she came over and, and bought from us or she's done that with pork and stuff in the past. And we had a wedding where somebody wanted these big charcuterie boards and she does beautiful, beautiful grazing tables. Yeah. We're like, you know what? Michelle will do that portion of the wedding and we'll do the other portion of the wedding and everybody makes some money and... You know, everybody sticks with their core competencies, and yeah. it works out really well. For us to bring in a bunch of cheeses and sausages and things that we don't use on the daily, yeah. it's a it's a dumb business move on our part. Yeah. Where she always has it, so it just it's one of those things. Like sometimes when you do caterings and people want special stuff, you got to be like, okay, is there a way for me to use this product up later, or can I get just enough of what I need to get this done? So. Yeah, and it's like you know you can. I don't know. I think some people look at like everybody is competition, and you want to, you know, and it's not. It's just not the case. You know, you're you're in a city where the culinary scene is just starting to gain traction and just starting to develop, and there's going to be a lot of consumer education that needs to happen, and 
you know, just the more options that you can give people and the more you can make people, you know, invested in local purveyors and local products, it's just going to feed, you know, everybody's success. But, you know, especially right now where, where hospitality industry is, is struggling so much to try and, and help people understand that right now is really hard, you know, because everybody's just trying to get by. Speaking of people trying to get by, one of the things that really stuck out to me is you guys starting with Thankful Thursday and trying to help people out that just kind of needed a little little hand up yeah. with that. You know, tell me a little bit how that started and how it's grown for you guys since. Well, even before we opened, with COVID going on and almost like every peer that we've ever had in the business was out of work. Every bartender, manager, chef, server, so... We, you, me, I mean, myself, everybody was everyone, unemployed. Everyone was unemployed, so we had said, you know, if we get open, we should almost just put it out there. Like anyone in the service industry, if you need food right now, just come on by and we'll feed you. Tell us how many kids you got, and we'll feed you. So, uh, the smoked turkey, which now we sell out of all the time, wasn't. It's not your ribs. It's not pulled pork. It's not brisket. So it's not a star of a show right now. When we first opened, it, it is now. People are like, whoa, this turkey is amazing. But you could see, like, people were disappointed when that's all we had left the first couple of days. So we had a couple turkey breasts, and then Jess came in one morning and said. Well, it was like a, it was Thursday morning. And yeah. I was like, well, you know, Thursday. Or I said, you know, turkey, Thanksgiving, thankful. I was like, let's do thankful Thursday. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, let's, let's just, we have all this turkey left over. So we'll just do thankful Thursday. So if anybody needs anything to eat. You know, we got turkey, we'll do turkey family packs, we'll do turkey sandwiches, and, and that's what we'll do. And then uh, people were really receptive, you know, people were, people really, even people that didn't need it were very appreciative of the fact that it was even out there in the community, or, you know, people really um, just liked the, the fact that we were giving back, and um, it's just something that was important to us anyway, so we're like, alright, well, let's continue to do... Let's just make it a thing that if you're hungry, come eat, right? But why change the name? <laughs> yeah. Well, because people started donating like two, three hundred dollars to us. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people, friends of ours from across the country, like, hey, I, we can't get there because of COVID, but we really want to support you guys. Here's how do I do a donation? You're know, like, uh, okay, well, we'll figure that out. How to Venmo us something or whatever. And so when that happened, we were just like, we'll just make it all the time. And so, like, every day, if you... Have, now... It's also because we don't sell old product. Right. You know, there are a lot of barbecue places and a lot of restaurants in general, as you know, that will cool stuff down and retherm it the next day. And barbecue just isn't the same when you do that. So, mm-hmm. um, while, you know, before we were selling out all the time, it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do with this product, you know, if we're not going to sell it the next day? And, and so, you know, some of it would go to Thankful Thursday. A lot of it would go to the firehouses, to the... Police Hospital, department. Police department. Um, One of our uh, dishwashers runs a uh, recovery house, so a lot of he had seven to eleven people living there at different times. So food would go home to them. He would bring to other houses for roads recovery. Just drop them food off. So it was just a way for us to give back to the community, but also keep our integrity of our product and and everything else that we wanted to keep. And then you know now we. I mean, she started making chicken and dumplings because we one day had like eight or nine chickens left. And it's like, okay, we just, you know, recovery house couldn't take anymore. They were like, ah, we got enough right now, chef. And, you know, the fire department, so we kind of had to hit everybody. So now she's like, 
oh, let's make chicken dumplings. It's like, okay. And now we have the exact opposite problem. Now we're smoking chickens and they're selling out. And now it's like we've got to smoke chickens to make chicken dumplings. And so now it's like this vicious, yeah, because now we don't have leftovers. So it's like, it's like a vicious cycle that we've created for ourselves here. Yeah. But, I mean, it's really, our, our staff gets really, really excited. Like when somebody calls for Thankful Thursday or when yeah. somebody comes to the window for Thankful Thursday, they all get, like, super excited that somebody's taking advantage of it. And, yeah. Um, you know, we had a little, a family came the other day. Um, you know, I guess the husband left after 21 years or something. She emailed us that night. You know, little girl wanted mac and cheese. We were out. They wanted ribs. We were happened to be out. like all we had left was chicken. I mean, it was we were at the end of the night, yeah. and she had said it, and you know, we gave it to them. We gave them baked beans and you know buns and everything else. And we may have given them two chickens. I don't remember. But she emailed us that night saying, you know, this really meant a lot to our family. It was like a huge feast. Thank you very much. You know, and so like I copied and pasted it and sent it to the group chat or text or whatever it's called, and. It's like I wanted them to see it too, our staff, because we get to do it all the time, and we hear about it probably more than they do. Yeah. Like they they probably interact with the individuals themselves more than we do, because either one of us is packing or pulling meats off. So I don't always get to meet everyone that got it, but you know we've seen a few of them now, and you know some have been regulars that have come all the time, and then you know did contract work and didn't get paid like they were supposed to, like right on time, and like. Hey, you mind if I get a sandwich? Sure, get that sandwich. You know, we don't. It doesn't. You know, anything that helps. We don't. Yeah. We don't ask questions, so that's what's cool about it. So, what's the best way for people to stay up on everything that you guys are doing? I, I guess social media would be the best thing, obviously. That, Ken, um, I, I, I feel like I see your face almost every day to, to <laughs> welcome me to the day of yeah. what's going on. Well, I mean, she doesn't always like to do them either, so <laughs> that's. Or we'll be busy, and she'll be in the side of the show. She'll go do a Facebook Live. I'm like, but I'm busy too. And she's like, No, you just go do it. I don't want to do it. Love doing it. I don't love doing you it. Do. Yeah. So I'm the social butterfly of the two of us. So I guess I do it more often than not. It's yeah. Fantastic. But yeah, Instagram, Facebook. We don't use Twitter as much. I mean, I don't have Twitter. Yeah, Twitter's like, I use it for news and stuff like that, but. Every now and then we'll post on there, but we don't really use the Twitter for the county. I think we should like, add TikTok videos. Yeah. Yeah, if you can get uh, Ken to do some dances. Yeah. With the, you know, that should be chicken that's dance. Just what I need. <laughs> TikTok. Our 17 year old doesn't even want to download TikTok on her phone. So it's like, you know, it's like she's the one that should be doing the TikToks. But it's us that get stuck with the social. But our, our oldest who helps, Allie, who helps with all the. You know, the front register packing and all that. She does help a lot with the Instagram account because I guess we were getting too... We weren't using the stories as much as we should have been and some of, like, the graphics we and stuff. Right, yeah, we were doing it right, she said. We were doing the Instagram right. Yeah, again. so we were doing it more like Facebook. But, you know, it was one of those you don't know how it... It's weird to see, like, Facebook is up here with followers and Instagram still down here. So we've been trying to boost our Instagram following a little bit more, but... It's also hard when you're doing these Facebook Live videos all the time. It's not always pictures of food then. So just different things that we're, you know, we're trying to do whatever we can, but we're also working a lot. Yeah. So like some days it's like, oh, we haven't done a Facebook Live, and it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon already, and you're like, you know, we've been rolling. I don't know. We're going to have any food left to do a Facebook Live. But we know? do try. I mean, we, we have the online ordering, so people can go and order ahead of, ahead of time. You can order in the morning for later that day. You can order early in the week for later in the week. And if you go on there, it'll show you what we're out of, but not everybody 
goes to the website. So we initially were doing a lot of them in the afternoon anyway to to just sort of update people like, hey, we're out of brisket or hey, we're out of ribs. If, you know, Mac and cheese is sold out or yeah. Yeah, try to give people an idea of where we're at just because we were you know, we we're selling out now too. But just so people know, they don't come all the way down here just to be sad. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I want to congratulate you guys on achieving dreams here in Lynchburg with thank getting you. this open and growing tremendously with that. Thank you. Thank you from the community, and thank you to everybody's stomachs, I'm sure, as well. No, yeah, <laughs> no we're glad to be here with Lynchburg, and you know, we're happy that everyone's taken to us as, as well as they have. I mean, it's been interesting to see. I mean, the online order and the takeout, COVID's been messed up a lot of things in this industry, but because we were still building we were able to adapt very quickly and it's been our saving grace probably for us is that the online ordering the to-go take out outside and it's just been perfect for us to actually open in this even with the meat shortages and everything else we've had to deal with fantastic well, jessica ken thanks so much for your time you're Thank welcome you.